0: Amen. So praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word tonight. We thank you, Father, that you always have our best on your heart. You always think good thoughts about us. You always look out for us. You always consider us in all things that are done in the earth. I thank you, Father, for the greatness of your compassion, the greatness of your awareness, the greatness of your goodness, the greatness of your ability, the greatness of who you are in the earth. So, Father, tonight I pray over this Word. Allow it to flow freely, Father. Allow it to minister to us tonight. Allow it to move us in our heart, Father. I thank you that there will be no distraction, no disruption, and no interference for our receiving tonight. I ask, Father, that heaven and earth meet in this house tonight, that the glory of the Lord is manifest upon us and within us, that we'll come from this place eternally changed. And I thank you and I praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And Irma, go away. Amen. They know what I'm meaning. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 3. We've been there a few times in the recent past. Acts chapter 3, 19. We probably could memorize this, right? Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who has preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all His holy prophets since the world began. So let's say this. Restoration Restoration of all things things is for me. me. I am am receiving receiving restoration restoration of all things things in my life. life. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We're receiving restoration of all things. Anything the devil took... He's got to give back. Anything that's been lost has to be returned. Any fire of the Spirit that has waned has to be restored. Amen? Restoration of all things. It says the prophets have been looking for the restoration and prophesying about the restoration of all things. And we go through this timetable. Here we go again. The beginning of the world, the prophetic utterances, the middle season... And then the return of the Lord. The middle season is the times of repentance, conversion, refreshment, and restoration. We've been through that a few times. All right? So this is the time. The time, the sliver of time that we live in is the time of repentance, conversion, refreshment, and restoration. All four of those things work together. All right? It starts with repentance, which means a change of mind. Goes to conversion, which means a change of substance. Comes from refreshing, means to be refreshed, restored, revived. And then restoration of all things is an existence of life in the way God intended it for it to be. All right? So we're in this season. Now we have to understand that those four things work together. So as we're moving toward the restoration of all things, there has to also be a moving of repentance within us. Mean a change of mind. How many of you know everything your mind thinks right now may be altered before Jesus comes back? Maybe the way you think will be changed, all right? And we have to be willing to change. We absolutely have to be willing to change. So we talked about um, how this all started was a, a little quote that the Spirit of the Lord gave me And it was this, that the quality of our life is entirely dependent, depends entirely on how you submit to God and how you resist the enemy. If you do not like the quality of your current life, then one of these things or possibly both of these things, there needs to be an adjustment in. If you do not like the quality of your life, you have to change which is easy to do because we're in the season of change. You have to change how you submit to God or you have to change how you resist the enemy or possibly both. Okay, so we've been talking, we talked last week on living a life submitted to God. And there was three particular areas that we mentioned we have to submit to God in. Number one was our thought life. We cannot think thoughts contrary to God and claim we are submitted to God. We have to get our thinking life in line with the way God thinks. Incidentally, God has never had an evil thought about anyone ever. God has never had an evil thought about anyone ever. So if we are going to be submitted to God, we are not allowed to have an evil thought about anyone ever. And we have the mind of Christ so we can do it. All right? Uh, And we talked about how we can't take a thought And begin to think on it because it begins to be a part of us as we take it in and stir it in and it becomes part of our thought processes, which is our reasonings. And we can't afford to take a wrong thought and add it to our processes because it will never come out good in the end. We have to guard how we think, all right? The other thing that we talked about was our words. We have to get our speaking in line with God's speaking. Do you remember that part in James where we talked about the opening or the water that it couldn't bring forth bitter and sweet or salt water and fresh? And we saw that. He's saying, how can you bless God and curse men that were made in the similitude of God. And he said, basically, your cursing man is uh, tainting your blessing God. Your cursing man is polluting your blessing God. So what he's saying is, if you want to be submitted to God in your words, it can't be just right words going this way. It has to be right words going this way. And he said, you can't curse people and bless God and think your words got any power. Because the potency of your words is diminished by your evil speaking. And if you remember, I said, sometimes it's not that you're saying the wrong thing, it's that you're saying too many things. When you believe your words can create, you will treat your words that they are creative power when you believe that, okay? And the quality of our life entirely depends on our thought life and our speaking life to be submitted to God. Now, if that makes perfect sense. You can't say whatever you want and then think God's gonna come to the rescue all the time. He will, but the problem is you want to be the rescuer, not the rescuee. And so you want potency in your words that have delivering power to help someone else instead of the inability on your words that you always need a way of escape. We are the church. We are the mature church of Jesus Christ walking in the wisdom of God, joined in the spirit of God, and we are the answer for this planet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the final thing we talked about last week was our actions. And we got to get our actions submitted to God. What we do in life has to be submitted to God. And we went over several things about that too. So we went on about you can't call him Lord and not do what he asks you to do. You have to do what's blessed instead of doing what you want and asking for his blessing. Okay. So did you all get all that review? Praise the Lord. Okay. Okay. So we are in the middle of changing and modifying how we submit to God and how we resist the enemy. Now, submission to God means that you're going to yield to Him. It means to give the right of way to. It means to surrender or comply with. It means to not oppose. So we have to live our life without opposing God. Now, it's very easy to say, well, I don't oppose God. Okay, do we need to go back over last week? In our thoughts, in our words, and in our actions. I don't believe it's intentional, but I do know this that 100% of the time, we don't got it sometime. Okay? But we're growing. Look at your neighbor and say, but you're growing. Amen. So we have to live in submission to God. And we're going to change on how we're submitting to God or how much we're submitting to God. But it says also we're to resist the enemy. And to resist the enemy means to stand against or oppose. To oppose him. And it means to act in opposition. All right? Interestingly enough, it also means to defeat, to baffle, and to disappoint boy, I could live for disappointing the devil. (laughs) Hallelujah. All right. So this is all those things that we are rearranging in our life. We are rearranging our thought life. We are rearranging our speaking life. We are rearranging what we do so that we always find ourselves submitted to God and resisting the enemy instead of resisting God and submitting to the enemy. All right? Now, in order for us to abide in God, it requires us to be in submission to God. Let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, if you'll put that one on the board. I'm, I'm skipping. You'll just have to get on the right wave with me here, girl. All right. 1 John 2, 6, did I give you that one? Oh, beautiful. All right. 1 John 2, 6 says this. He who says he abides in him, you're quick, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Now, we know that Jesus always was submitted to the Father. We know Jesus always was in submission to the Father. We know that he always walked with God. But it says here that we're supposed to walk just like he did and... When we walk just like he did, it comes out of this thing that's called abiding in him. Abiding in him. Now, we need to understand this for tonight's message that in him, because God is spirit, in him is a place in the spirit. God is spirit, but there is a place in the spirit called in him. There's a Redmond, Oregon. There's a Bend, Oregon. There's a Los Angeles, California in the natural. And in the spirit world, in the unseen, there's a place called in him, a location. And he says, if you're going to be in this place called in him, you have to walk just like he walked. Don't lose sight of the fact that we're talking about submission to God. We want to remain in him. This place called in him. We want to be in him. And if I'm in him, if I'm abiding in him, I'm walking in him just like he walked. A place called in him. All right? So this place in him, what does in him look like? What does it look like? This place called in him. You know, you can say, well, at Bend, Oregon, there's this and there's these mountains and there's this. And it's got characteristics. Redmond, Oregon has characteristics. Any town or community has characteristics. This place called in Him has characteristics of the Spirit. Okay? Let's look, at, let's look at a few of these. Let's go to 1 John 3, verse number 5. And you know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him, in this place, there's no sin. In this place, there's no sin. There's no sin in this place. So we know it's a sinless place, okay? Go on to the next one, in 1 John 1, verse five. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light, so there's light, and in him is no darkness at all. So in this place, in the spirit, there's no darkness. There is no darkness in here. This place in God has no darkness and it has no sin. And he says, You can live there. Hallelujah. So let's look at another one. Let's go to John chapter 1. In him, in this place, there's life. And this life is the light of men. This Zoe life is here. Zoe life is in him, in this place. Zoe life is in this place. What is Zoe life? Complete and total deliverance. Complete and entire love. Complete and total health. Complete and total peace. Complete and total joy. All of these things that we want are in this place called in him. Everything that your heart cries for and craves is in a place called in Him. And through submission to walking as He walked, we get to abide and live in this place called in Him. All right? Hallelujah. So let's go over to John 15, uh, verse 5, I believe it was. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John chapter 15, verse 5 through 7, I think. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, he who lives in this place and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So in this place you bear a lot of fruit. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Next verse. If anyone does not abide in me, He is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. But if you abide, if you'll live in this place and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you want and it's done. In this place, if you can walk in this place, not this place, if you walk in this place, Whatever, it doesn't say whatever you need. It says whatever you want. Whatever you desire, it'll be done for you if you live in this place. That doesn't work when you're out here in this place. And submission to God gets you to this place. And when you're in this place, you can ask whatever you want and it's done. But you can't be over here Thinking, I can ask whatever I want and it's done. Because you're not in him. You have to be in him for that to work, as it says, in this. So over here, we want it to work, but it won't work over here because we have to be in him for it to work. Hallelujah. Are you are you seeing what what I'm saying here tonight? All right. So the interesting thing about this in him place is it has guarantees for the best life possible that God dreamt for your life. That's in this place. That is not over in this place. That is in this place. Why I wear flat shoes tonight, in this place. (laughs) Hallelujah. All right. Now, the thing about this place called in him is there are no fences to keep you in. There are no fences to keep you in. You can go in or out anytime you want. If there was fences to keep us in, it wouldn't be God. Because he gives us choosings. He allows us to make free choice. And a lot of us think, if he would just put a fence around it so I couldn't, would be nice. But see, God never stops your straying. You can go anywhere you want. But when you stray, you get over here and you ask what you desire and it's not done for you. It's over here that you ask what you desire. And it's done and accomplished. And there's nothing to stop you except what God says will stop you. So let's talk about about a bit. Okay, James 4, verse 8. Did I give you that one? I gave them a mountain of scriptures. Next one, 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, you have to understand, what this is telling us is everyone knows what gravity is, right? Mm -hmm. You know what gravity is. Gravity is that thing that's pulling on you that you can't see that's holding you on the earth. If we didn't have gravity, we'd all be floating in the air right here, right? Okay? But gravity holds you there. In this place, your heart for God, your appetite for God, your drawing near to God creates a gravitational pull that holds you in this place. Your appetite for God, your drawing to God, because if I'm out here and I begin to draw on God, Father, I'm sorry for what I did. I want to come closer to you. I want to move to you. God does this. He picks up his place, puts it where you're at. As you draw to him, he draws to you. And now this is his place. Do you see what I'm saying to you? Because that's how you stay in him is with a heart for him. All right, it's a gravitation of the Spirit to draw God in when you're drawing to God. I don't want this to be complicated. Hallelujah. All right, so if you draw on Him, He moves His place called in Him to capture you. So that means if you have a heart that constantly draws on God. You will always be found abiding in him. Hallelujah. Let's look over to um, Philippians 3. Did I do that one? Hallelujah. Philippians 3, verse 9. And be found in him. Be found in him. See, God wants you to be found in his place. We've moved it back over here again, okay? (laughs) be found in this place. And he says, but when you're found in him, it's not by your own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. So that tells me I can't earn it. I just yearn for it. You can't earn it. You have to yearn it. (laughs) You can't earn it. It's not my own righteousness that keeps me in him. The only thing that keeps me in him is my passion and my heart and my drive toward him. And it operates a gravitational pull that wherever I go, I am found in him, in that place. Hallelujah. God would desire that you never are without him, that you're never not in him. Amen? Amen. All right. This is the place. Now, remember what it looks like. This place in him has no sin. It has no darkness. It's got lots and lots of light. It's his kingdom where he is king. It is the place of absolute life meaning there is no darkness, there is no depression, there is no anxiety, there is no fear, there is no lying, there is no torment, there is no turbulence, there is no tragedy, there is no trouble. All of this is in this place called in him where we want to abide, all right? So um, let's look at First John 3, Verse 24 first, and this is about how we can be there. Now, he who keeps his commandments abides here. Just keeping his commandments, all right? And so when you think of this, keeping his commandments, it's like, that's a lot of business, you know? It's the whole um, half the book of Exodus, all of Leviticus, most of Numbers, and part of Deuteronomy, how am I going to do all that stuff? You can't. Back up to verse 23, and let's see what those commandments are. Verse: two. This is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another. That's all he's asking. Because if you draw your heart to God, those things will begin to work in your life. He's just saying, believe me and love each other. Believe me and love each other. And if you can believe me and love each other, you're going to be there. Hallelujah. It becomes a mandate for the church to love one another. It becomes entirely the, the rod on which everything else in our life is hung. If you can love one another. Hallelujah. So we can be either in or out of this place based on whether or not we're keeping those commandments. Hallelujah. So we have to stay submitted to His will and His way to stay in this place and keep my heart. With that drawing near to God, so that gravitational pull is constantly working to keep me in that place. Amen? So then we go on to this. Let's look at um, um, hmm, hmm, hmm. Let's look at Second Corinthians 1:20, because it's a really cool scripture. "For all the promises of God in this place. In this place, all the promises of God are yes and amen. So when you're in this place and you're looking at a promise, there is no confusion about when, where, or how. The simple truth is, in this place, His promises says, yes, and so be it for you. In that place. When you're in that place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The danger is that we're over here knowing what the promise says, but we're not abiding there where we get the reality of what that promise says. Sometimes what happens is we need to understand this. Let me say this. You don't have to be abiding in God to get the information of God. You don't have to be abiding here to hear what God wants and can do. But you have to be abiding here to get the realization of what God says he'll do. Yeah. So what happens is we're over here hearing about the promises, but the promises are activated over there. And we stand over here wondering why God isn't fixing something. Well, when was the last time you drew to him For no reason other than just to come closer to him. Just to come closer to him. Because when you draw on him just to become closer to him, that place captivates you. But you can sit out here knowing right doctrine and never get a promise. You can sit over here knowing what should happen but never experience it. Because there is no abiding in this place there's no living in this place remember this scripture faith works by love faith works by love and he says you can have the information of what is right to happen in your life but if you are not keeping the commandments of believing God and loving your neighbor, it may not happen because you're not in the right place, because your faith is activated by the love for one another. I think we'll move on. Praise God. So we need to understand that most lack of receiving is not that you're not doing most lack of receiving is not a problem with your doing. It's a problem of position. You're not in Him. You have to be in Him. And God wants you in Him. Now think about it. God is so hungry for you to be in Him that any time you draw on Him, He moves in Him wherever you are. He's that hungry for you to abide in Him. He's that yearning that yearning for you to abide in Him. God is so wanting to give you an absolute great level of life that if you'll call on Him, He'll move heaven and earth for you. Hallelujah. All right? So we have to get in Him. Let's look in Colossians 2, verse number six. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, So walk in Him. Walk in Him. Next verse. Rooted and built up in Him. Get rooted and built in this place. Don't go out here to get built for life, to find your purpose in life, to find your call in life, to find out what you were made for. None of that is going to be out here. All of that is going to be in here. What you were made for is right in here. All right? Established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware, huh? When it says beware, beware, okay? Lest anyone cheat you. How are they gonna cheat you? Through philosophy. They're going to they're cheat you by putting on a show mentally to convince you of something contrary to in him. Hallelujah. Philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everything you will need philosophically, is that a big word or what? Everything you will need as far as wisdom, revelation, philosophy, insight, direction, it's all right here in him. If the world counsels you, you're gonna go the world's way. If the world speaks into you, you can only follow the world. But God wants you to stay in Him because it's in Him you can be rooted, you can be built up, and you can be established right there. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. This place is where we flourish from. Not this place. This place is where we flourish from. So... If this is such a great place, why is it we have a tendency to be other places when we're called to bend and we're living in Timbuktu? Okay, why is that? Okay, let's go over to John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I want you to notice something in this scripture. The thief does not come to you for any other reason but to steal, kill, and destroy. If the enemy is dogging you, he's got only one thought. How can I steal, how can I kill, or how can I destroy them? Hallelujah. He comes only. He does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. Every time the enemy comes, there's thievery, there's murder, there's destruction. Okay? Every time Jesus comes, there's life and life more abundantly. But the enemy does not come. He does not come with for any other reason than to steal, kill, and destroy. So what happens is your in this place, You're walking along in life, having a good time in him, and the enemy says, psst, psst. And the moment you give him your attention, he's captivated something of your heart. All right? So the enemy has come, and what the enemy does is tries to pull us out of our designated place of in him. He wants you out of the place called in him. The enemy want, doesn't care where you're at as long as you're not in him. Because in him, he has no way to get to you. In him, he has no way to use you. In him, he has no way to destroy your life. So his thought is how do I get them? Out of the place how do I get to get them to move from that location to a different location and then we see all the different strategies of the enemy but every enticement every enticement is to get you out of that place there now start thinking about what we talked about last week all the different things he gets us to do he gets us to lie I'm out of him He gets us to betray one another. I'm out of him. He gets us to find fault with each other. I'm out of him. Incidentally, if you don't go fault looking, you won't be fault finding. Amen? Amen. So don't go looking for a fault because you'll find one. And then you're going to be losing your place in him. All right? So all of these things are to pull you out of being in him. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation... Has overtaken you, such as is common to man. So while you're in this place of in him, the enemy is going to use the same trick on everybody somehow to get them out of that place. Nobody has exclusive demonic attack that no one else has ever had. No one has exclusive demonic attack that no one else has ever had. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted, tested, enticed, beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, you're in him, and the enemy stands right outside in him and says, Come on, come on. Come on, come on, say this to them, say this about them, do this, act this way, be ac- accusing, be critical, do this, do this. But in order to stay in Him, I have to love one another. But don't you really feel that way? Did you see how they talk to you? You don't deserve to have to deal with that. You don't have better rights than that. You're more important than that. That's not fair. All of those are enticements to get you over here. And then what he says, with that enticement, makes a way of escape that you can bear it, meaning you can endure it and you can triumph over it. So while the enemy's standing over here, outside of this wonderful place called in him, he's trying to get you to find fault with somebody. If you do, you step out of that place. If you don't, you stay in him. We're talking about submission to God. Okay? So he's over here wooing you. You will find if you make a decision to never gossip, you are in for the fight of your life. (laughs) Because everybody around you has got an opinion about everybody else. Right? Hallelujah. But if we want to be in him, we've got to let go of that kind of life. If we want to be in him, we can't do that. And in him, this temptation is coming from the sideline, whispering in your ear, speaking in your heart. I cast down that thought. I refuse to think that. You know, and, and the enemy's still speaking, but God's saying, I'm giving you a way to get away from that. I'm giving you a way to get away from that. Don't yield to that. Resist the enemy. Submit to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the enemy stands outside of the place in him. He's not welcome in there. He stands outside of the place in him and tries to lure you outside of that place so that he can get a hold of you. Um, I was thinking about how the enemy uses deception, you know, and in the Garden of Eden, the first thing he got Eve to do was look at the tree. Okay, the first thing he did was to get him to look at the tree. Um, And he makes things look different than they really are. Um, He can make you think the grass is way green over there. But the problem with over there is it's not in him. He can make you think it'd be be better there. There's, um, in Disney's California Adventure there is a street you walk down and you walk down this street and it looks like the street goes a long, long, long ways. Do you know which one I'm talking about? A long ways. But as you get closer to it, you realize the end of the street isn't more street. It's just a wooden panel that they've painted on it that makes it look like the street just keeps going on. There is no street there. It's fake. When you're in him... There's a lot of things the enemy wants you to look at and be drawn to that are fake. They're fake. They're not even real. They're fake, and there's nothing good out there. And deception is his key tool because if he can convince you, he can control you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he will make things look differently. And once he captures the eyes, because we know according to the word of God that the eyes are the openings to the heart. So if he can capture your eyes, he's got an entrance into your heart. Hallelujah. Are you okay? Okay. Let's go over to 1 John chapter 3. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 1 John chapter 3, verse 6 says, Whoever abides in him, this place, does not sin. Now think of that. If you can abide here, you won't sin. And I was thinking, man, you know, you hear um, intentional sin, you hear all these things, but it doesn't say that. It just says you, if you live in here, you don't sin. If you don't, if you live here, you won't sin. Because then it goes on explains. Because if you're sinning, you aren't seeing Him and you're not knowing Him. So what that tells me is in Him, you see God and you know God. And anytime you're sinning, it's because you're not seeing God and you're not knowing God. So with that being said, we can understand then if we can be in Him it captivates what we see and it captivates what we know. Because in him you don't sin. It's like this is a place that will so captivate you that it controls your actions and controls your intent and controls your intentions. Because you can't sin when you're in that place. In order for me to sin, I have to quit abiding. I have to quit seeing and knowing God. If you're seeing, if, just think about this. If you're looking at God, what's the likelihood of you sinning? You don't sin when you're looking at God. You sin when you take your eyes off of God. See, and in this place, in this place of abiding, I'm seeing God. I have to be because I'm drawing to Him. That's what's holding me here. I'm drawing to Him. I'm seeing God. If I quit seeing God, I'm going to fall into sin. If I quit knowing God, I'm going to fall into sin. Because in this place, the seeing and the knowing doesn't permit me to sin. All right? So you can't stop the sin without the abiding. So the key to sin is abiding in Him. The key to addictions is abide in Him. The key to cussing, abide in Him. The key to gossip, get in Him. Just get in Him. The key to fault-finding, get in Him. The key to unforgiveness, get in Him. And we, you can't strive to fix your life to get to this place. You have to get to this place so it can fix your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can sin when you visit God once in a while, but you can't sin when you're abiding there. Amen? All right. So we have to understand that what the enemy tries to do then is tries to get us to quit looking at God, quit seeing God, quit knowing God, because then we fall into a lifestyle of sin where he has dominance in our life. All right, 2 Corinthians 2. This is like Bible drills, isn't it? While we're in him, okay, there's a scripture that says, lest Satan should take advantage of us We are not ignorant of his devices. So while we're in him, the enemy has devices to pull us out of him. And different devices work on different people, okay? Some he's going to make too busy. Some he's going to um, cause them to stumble in sin. Some he's going to get them into pride. Some he's going to get them distracted. Some, he's going to beat up on them till they feel inferior and weak. He's got all of these devices, but we've already read that regardless of the device, God's got a way of escape so that we can remain in him. Because we're not ignorant, the enemy has a device that he knows works proficiently against you. And so what you have to do is resist him Stand against him and not yield to it so you stay in him. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. And let's go on here. Um, 2 Timothy 2, verse 6 says this. This is what he wants to do, okay? At the end of the scripture, it's talking about getting people to repent. That they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the, of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. There's a place where people can be taken captive by the devil to do his will. There is a place where people can be taken captive by the enemy to do his will. And if you don't remain in him, the enemy wants to pull you out of there and get you far enough away from there that now you're doing what he needs you to do. Hallelujah. Submission to God, resisting the enemy. Submitting to God, resisting the enemy. This place called in Him requires submitting to God. Submitting to God, not just in thought and motive. Submitting to God, not just intention, but submitting to God with our life and action. I'm not going to go anywhere you don't want me to go, Lord because it's so important for me to be in this place where everything is gonna work, that my kids are gonna serve God, that my life is going to be blessed, that I'm gonna be empowered to be what you called me to be, that I can see the intention of the Lord in my life. This is important enough to me that I refuse to be enticed, I refuse to be drawn away, I refuse to be pulled any place, Lord, but in you. So to keep that in check, I stir my heart for you. I stir myself up to draw near to you. I stir myself up to believe in you. I stir myself up to love one another. I stir myself up to not think evil thoughts. I stir myself up to watch the words of my mouth. I stir myself up God. Now thank you for your help because in this place called in you there is constant help. There is constant empowerment. There is constant grace. There is constant glory. There is constant blessing. I'm not without anything if I can just stay right here it's just right here it's just right here and there's nothing I need out there because everything out there cheats me it cheats me it makes it look sweet and it's awful it makes it look good and it's terrible it makes it look safe and it's tragic right here is where I want to be In the secret place of the Most High. In the secret place of the Most High. My habitation, my dwelling place, my address is in Him spiritually. Hallelujah. Trudy Roberts, in Him spiritually. (laughs) Amen. This is where I live. Now, hallelujah. Let's go on. I would encourage you to read 1 John and highlight everything every time you see the words in him and see what's in him, what you can have in him, and get this reality in your life, get this working in your life, just not something you agree with. You have to go back to day one. Agreement is not submission. Agreement is the conception of submission. But agreement is not submission. Submission is tested when you don't want to do that will. Hallelujah. For more information, go to last week's service. All right? Let's go to Ephesians 1, verse number 10. It says, That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are, where's he gather them to? Both which are in heaven and which are on earth, he's gather them all in him. Their address is all gonna be in him. In the fullness of times, we're talking about the restoration of all things Okay, so the address of everything and everyone that serves God will be in him. But how much power do you want to have operative in your life until we get to that end? Because how much power you want to have is going to be determined by how well you stay in him right now. How well do you want to be in your body? How well do you want your family to be? How well do you want your business to go? How well do you want your life to be? How well do you want everything about your life? It's dependent on how well you stay in Him. Hallelujah. Because He's got a plan. He's going to bring everything to this address. He's going to bring everything to this address. And... Um, Some of you know it's really great if you get there first, right? You want to get there first because you're advantaged of a life well spent for a longer length of time if you get there first. Amen? All right. So let's look at one more scripture. We'll close it up tonight. 1 John chapter 2. And now, little children... Abide in him, live at that address, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So what that tells me this: if I don't move to this address, if I don't move to this place, I'm gonna be ashamed when he comes. Because outside of there, you know what's outside of here? I should have done better and didn't. I knew what I should have done, but I didn't. I knew what I knew and I didn't act on it. Why didn't I do that? Because over here is your address and the enemy enticed you over there and now that you're over there, Jesus returns and now you've got shame and regret because I knew how to be there and I wasn't. I knew what I should have been doing and I wasn't. I knew what I should have done, and I didn't. Okay? And there's no sin in here. But out here, there's all kinds of regret of I wish I would have, I should have, I could have, why didn't I? All of that's out here. And he wants us to move here now so that when he returns, which we don't know the day and the hour, so don't think, well, I'm going to get a warning, then I'll move. That ain't going to work. All right? Get there now, because when he comes then, you have nothing to be ashamed of. How horrible to be ashamed when Jesus comes. It's about whether you want to stand and look at his face in awe, or you're going to hit the dirt because you can't stand to look at him. That's the difference. You want to be able to receive him, not try to hide from him. And it's all about what address are you going to live at? What address are you going to live at? Because if you're in him, you won't be ashamed when he comes. But if you're not in him, especially if you're in this church, it will be pitiful because you've heard this sermon. Ha! <laughs> the warning of being in him. Move off of Bronco Way into in him. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Move off of your street into him. Move off Grumble Alley into him. Move into Murmuring Meadows into him, all right? Move off of Gossip Gateway into him. Come on. We got to move. We got to move because if we don't move, we're not going to be found in him. And the quality of our life is dependent on if we're in him or not. Amen? Hallelujah. Did you get something tonight? Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. Hallelujah. I want to live in Him. Hallelujah. And you'll get off of Lonely Lane, and you'll get off of Someday Street, and you'll get off of Wandering Way, and you'll get off of Confusion Center, you know, you'll get off all those things and just get in Him. Amen. Get a new address in the spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We can stand to your feet. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you, Father, for transformation for our life. Change us. Rearrange us. Modify us. Hallelujah. Amend our calling. Fix us in any way. Repair us, Father, that we truly do believe in Jesus and love one another, that we can live and abide in you, that our address is in him. We give you praise and we give you thanksgiving for it, Father, that you have provided a secret place for us, that you have provided a place that we can hide from everything that the world offers, that we'll not be confused and will not be enticed by the workings of the world, but we remain safe, unscathed, unharmed, and free in you. Yeah. And we give you the praise and we give you the thanksgiving for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, hallelujah. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.